And the thing I love about the Enneagram is it it doesn't put you in a box. It shows you the box that you put yourself into and how to get out of it, which is so much different. It shows you these are the the things that I do when I am forced with confrontation or I'm forced with a difficult relationship or, you know, I'm coming into contact with a challenge of some sort. Your number kind of tells you the typical behaviors that you will default to. And when you are aware of that, you can see it happening. Living a healthy, balanced life as a mom can sometimes feel impossible. With tiny mouths to feed, butts to wipe, and so many things vying for our attention, it can be easy to feel like we're in an on-again, off-again relationship with healthy living. But it doesn't have to feel this way. I believe every mom is a super mom, and you deserve to feel like one too, and you don't have to go on another diet to do it. Join me, Kristen Dovniak, holistic nutritionist and certified intuitive eating counselor for conversations on what it means to live a healthy, balanced life. I want to help you uncomplicate eating, improve your relationship with food, and live like the super mama I know you are. Hey friends, welcome back to the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. I am so excited for an extra special episode to share with you guys today. We actually have another repeat guest on with me today, the incredible Jess Gartner. She's actually technically been on twice because we talked so much in her last episode that we had to split it in two, but it was an incredible conversation and I encourage you to go and listen to that if you want to learn more more about Jess's story about finding her balance and we also talked about the importance of taking care of our bodies and taking care of our skin and the ingredients we choose to put on our skin. It was a really cool conversation so I will link to both of those episodes in the show notes but today we are talking about something completely different. It's not specifically about food or intuitive eating but it does help us better tune in with our bodies, with ourselves, with our personalities, with how we show up in the world, with our relationships. Are you curious yet? Today we're talking about the Enneagram. I discovered the Enneagram probably two years ago and being the nerd that I am, I've been digging into it ever since. And when I heard Jess start talking about the Enneagram on her podcast, the Modern Mamas podcast, I was super intrigued. And then when she started sharing that she was studying to become an Enneagram coach, I was even more intrigued and I told her I wanted to have her come on the podcast and give you guys a really good overview of the Enneagram and a little bit about the Enneagram and motherhood. I'm so excited for our conversation today, but I want to introduce her before we get going for those of you who haven't listened to her other episodes. Jess is a blogger, recipe creator, Enneagram 9 Wing 8 social subtype, and podcast host with a passion for real food, real connection, and sharing herself, flaws and all. A recovering perfectionist, Jess now focuses on supporting women and finding their truth through the Enneagram, nourishing their minds and bodies intuitively, and creating joy in their lives as they navigate the motherhood transition. She pours her heart and soul into the weekly podcast she co-hosts, the Modern Mamas podcast, which is a safe space to share her authentic experience of motherhood and where expert guests educate and empower women to take charge of their health. 
You can find her recipes, lifestyle posts, podcast episodes, and Enneagram coaching services at jessgartner.com and connect on Instagram at jess.holdthespace. When not working, Jess loves to spend time with her husband, Tim, two kiddos, Bear and Camille, and two large Great Pyrenees rescues. They are her greatest accomplishment. All right, friends, this is going to be a jam-packed, awesome episode. You are guaranteed to learn something new about yourself, about motherhood, about your relationships. I cannot wait to dig in. So let's get talking to Jess. Hey friends, welcome back to the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. For those of you who are brand new listening, I had Jess on last year for not one, but two episodes because it was so long, but we (laughs) had an incredible conversation about motherhood, balance in eating and in life, safer skincare. It was a great conversation. So if you haven't already heard that conversation, I'll put the link in the show notes so you can go and kind of hear a little bit more about Jess. But today I am so excited to chat about a totally brand new topic here on the Healthy Balance Mama podcast, the Enneagram. This is quite a different topic than anything we've covered yet on the podcast, but I'm just a tiny bit obsessed with the Enneagram, and I have loved following Jess, your journey, learning about the Enneagram and now becoming an Enneagram coach. So I'm so excited to have you on to share something that I think can be like, and I'm sure you agree, a huge game changer for any of the women who are listening who want to learn more about themselves and about their family, um, just to live a healthier, happier, more balanced mama life. So welcome again, Jess. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you so much for having me. And you know what? I think the more people learn about the Enneagram and what it is and and how it's a tool for like self-growth and self-awareness, I think the more applicable it becomes to literally everything in your life. So whether you're talking about intuitive eating and why, you know, why you may make some choices different than another person would um, and understanding those motivations or like parenting, like you said, like it really can permeate into literally every aspect of your life, which is what makes it so exciting. So I am like, I'm here for it. I'm ready to nerd out. We were talking a a little bit earlier. I have a a little bit of the onset of a cold coming on, but like nothing can stop me from talking about the Enneagram. So (laughs) I'm ready. I love it. I'm so excited. Well, we don't really need an icebreaker because we were just talking for a little while before, but (laughs) for the listeners, I have started to start with an icebreaker because I think it it is just a a fun way to kind of kick things off. So my icebreaker for you today is what do you drink first thing in the morning? Oh my gosh. If you follow me on Instagram, you know I have a love, love affair with coffee. So usually it's coffee. Um, When my husband, so my husband is like, I don't know, he's just the best, you guys. Um, when we get up in the morning, he's usually the one like making the coffee. He will actually make me um, a, a glass of lemon water um, as kind of like this, the concept of like a buy-in. Like, okay, if you're going to drink two cups of coffee today, you need to at least start with some water. So <laughs> depends on the day, but most of the time it's coffee with heavy cream that's frothed in my frother that I adore, a little bit of maple syrup, um, and then you know, on a good day, it is an ice cold glass of lemon water to get the day started. I love that. Is that that. boring? No, that's not boring. (laughs) That's actually pretty much my routine too. (laughs) I I usually start, I love, I love my lemon water in the morning too. And I try to have that before my coffee, but I have never thought about, I drink my coffee. Usually sometimes I'll do a blended coffee, but oftentimes I'll just do heavy cream and I've never thought to froth it. 
And now I need to try that because that sounds you have so a good. I, I just have like a little stick frother. I don't have like a fancy like one that you would have on the espresso machine. But I do have a little stick frother that works pretty well. Oh my gosh. Let me tell you, and everyone needs to go check this out. See if it's in your budget. It is, I never, like I had the stick frother always. And we also have an espresso machine, but I don't use that frother either. This is like a little container. It's, I found like, well, my friend Cassie Knable, who has also has a podcast, she told me about this ceramic coated frother um, because you know, there's a lot of like Teflon coated ones and things that can be a little bit questionable, but this is the only one I can find. It's ceramic coated. You put your milk in it, you press a button, it heats it and it frosts it like, like it's Starbucks froth, like a cappuccino oh froth. Oh my gosh, and so that sounds amazing. <laughs> amazing. I think it's around like $30 on Amazon. Um, That's not too bad but for it's, a froth. It's like, it's hashtag worth it in every way it totally changes your morning coffee so i'll i'll send you a link or i'm sure you can find it on amazon too but it's incredible game changer i feel like that's on my christmas list now because we're recording <laughs> just before christmas <laughs> it should be it totally should be oh my gosh that's awesome so first awesome piece of advice from jess thank you that's, <laughs> that is definitely going to elevate my morning cup of coffee <laughs> all right so let's jump in to the enneagram So could you just start by just briefly explaining what the Enneagram is for the woman who's listening and who's like, I have no idea what these girls are talking about. Um, Just Oh my gosh. Yes, gladly. So one of my favorite quotes about the Enneagram before we dive into like the nitty gritty is from a a book called The Road Back to You. It's Ian Cron. And um, he is kind of like, the cool kid in the Enneagram world. He's taken this concept that's like very, can be very like overwhelming and intricate and deep. And he's made it very accessible to like, to to everyone. And so his book is is one of the books that I would recommend if you want to learn more about it. Um, but he says, bear with me here, because it, it sounds like a, a mouthful. But when you let it sink in, it makes so much sense. The, the purpose of the Enneagram is to show us how we can release the paralyzing arthritic grip we've kept on old self-defeating ways of living so we can open ourselves to experiencing more interior freedom to become our best selves. So it's a mouthful. But I that love is, that, though. That's so good. I know. In a nutshell, it's a tool for self-awareness. So a lot of people liken it to things like Strength Finders or Myers-Briggs. It's it's essentially kind of like a personality test, but it goes so much deeper because in my experience, I love personality tests and I take all of them because I want to know more about how I tick. Um, but those particular tests to me just tell me, hey, these are your strengths or here's who you are. And then I've never really been able to take that information and actually use it to grow, change, you know, um, become more self-aware. Like, what do I do with that information? What do I do with the fact that I'm an ENTP? Like, okay, cool. That's cool party talk. But like, now what? And so the Enneagram, it's kind of like your personal GPS. So it tells you kind of who you are, how you tick, and then it tells you where you go to when you're stressed and what you kind of look like and the behaviors that you display and where you go to when you're healthy and what that looks like. And everyone has a different default perspective. And that's where the numbers come in. So there's nine numbers on the Enneagram. um, And they're obviously one through nine. And they all have this kind of like very archetypal for the sake of like, 
I mean, there's nuances, so many nuances um, to like each number, but like for the sake of time, they all, all have this like archetypal description of them and which we can dive into too. But um, that is kind of the Enneagram in, the, in a nutshell. It's a way to get to know yourself. It's a way for personal growth. It's a way to extend more compassion to other people because you can learn like the eye opening thing for me was when I discovered I'm a nine on the Enneagram, um, which means nothing to you guys yet, unless you know what a nine is. And my husband's a five. And for a long time, like we are similar in a lot of ways, but we're also very different. And he's very introverted and very much like boundaries are very important to him. Um, personal time is very important to him. And for a long time in our marriage, I was like, what is it like he doesn't want to go with people like this is a personal attack on me he doesn't want to go hang out in public like what's the deal with this guy and when I finally discovered like oh this is not something he's doing to me out of spite this is this is who he is and when he does make an effort to go out and socialize and you know express emotions which come easily to me and not for him um, that is a that's at a huge cost to him because of the way he's wired. Um, and it made me see him in a completely different light. So just a little personal insight to how it's really been helpful to me. Does that make sense? Oh, it totally makes sense. And as you're saying all that, I, you know, I was joking with I'm so I help out with my um, my mops group, my mothers of preschoolers group, and I'm part of the steering team. And when we had a retreat this summer, I made all of them take the Enneagram test. <laughs> so yes. we are just one of them. I'm actually going to ask you in a second what your favorite test is. But um, so I had all of them take it because I thought it was a great way as a team working together to be able to relate to each other. But the reason why I wanted them to take it was because of how much it has helped me in my marriage over the last year and just mm -hmm. learning what my type was and, and getting really interested in that. I'm a one. Um, mm -hmm. So I think it's it's also in my nature to want to learn more about myself. And um, mm -hmm. not that I'm necessarily self-centered, but I really like to, to learn about myself and to grow. Um, and I really wanted to know what his type was. And he kind of like avoided it for a long time, went back and forth between <laughs> a couple of types. And it turns out that he's also a nine, um, which mm. is why it was hard for him to kind of figure out what it was. But as yeah. we started like working on it together and talking about it more and digging into it a little bit more, it really has helped me relate to the way he reacts to things rather mm -hmm. like and how they're different than the way I react to things um, mm -hmm. in conversations in arguments in so many different areas so it's been it's been really helpful for for me which is why I wanted to have you on <laughs> and yeah, share more about and it. it's it's just it's it's been life-changing for me a lot of my personal growth in business as a spouse as a mom um, has really taken off since I started to actually learn more about myself. The thing is with the Enneagram, like I said, a, a lot of times people are like, I don't want to take a test. It's going to put me in a box. Like I'm so much more than just like a type. And yes, that is absolutely true. And any test that's telling you like, this is the way you are and there's no way out of it. Um, it's just who you are. Like throw up your hands. Like I can't change because it's just who I am. Um, that's not helpful. Right. And that's a, that's a crutch for, for poor behavior or poor decisions. And the thing I love about the Enneagram is it, it doesn't put you in a box. It shows you the box that you put yourself into and how to get out of it. 
which is so much different. It shows you these are the the things that I do when I am forced with confrontation or I'm forced with a difficult relationship or, you know, I'm coming into contact with a challenge of some sort. Your number kind of tells you the typical behaviors that you will default to. And when you are aware of that, you can see it happening, right? So like I know as a nine, for me, peace, inner and outer peace is my core motivator. And a lot of people will say, well, I want peace, but it's not the same, right? Like my, everything that drives me is to get back to this place of homeostasis. Whereas like an eight, for instance, thrives on a challenge and they don't, I mean, yeah, sure. Like peace is great, but they care more about justice and like getting stuff done than I, than I do. And they're going to be willing to sacrifice that piece in order to achieve their core, core motivator where I would never do that for the most part. Right. And so now it's helped me. Like I know as a parent, um, there's not a lot of peace in our house. Most of the time (laughs) we have two kiddos. I have a six-year-old and a three-year-old. And before I would get so triggered by conflict and there's so much conflict in parenting or perceived conflict, whereas I'm perceiving it as conflict, where someone from the outside looking in would say, that's not conflict, that's just life. And I view it differently, right? And so I would I would try and smooth over, smooth over, smooth over. Like, everyone's okay, we're okay, everyone's happy. Like, are you happy? Let's make sure everything's good. Um, until I would, like, blow up because eventually, like, you realize that not everything is not going to be peaceful all the time. Um, and for me, it was so helpful to know, like, this is why. This is why that's happening. And I could, I can see now when I'm going down that path of, like, okay, I'm a ticking time bomb. Things are, are getting, like, hard. I can now see that and I can guide myself back onto a place where I feel more healthy. And that looks different for everybody, but I have tools now. Like, you know, it's okay. I'm getting, I'm feeling stressed. I'm getting out of control. What do I, I'm going to use my tools in my toolbox to get back on this path of like calmness and like, you know, where I'm not going to explode. Sorry, I could talk about this forever. So just stop me if I start rambling. No, I love it. I've, I I want to hear more. I'm over here nodding. And I really do think like the, the thing that comes into my head is that it really is a tool for growth. I think the more we learn about ourselves, the more we can grow. And I what I, I love um, similarly is that um, the Enneagram kind of shows you where you want to be, like where you are in health, like how to optimize your natural tendencies. And then also, you know, if you're not in health, like you were saying, like how to kind of get back into that place of of balance for yourself and your personality. It's not trying to fit you in that box. It's helping you grow into the best version of yourself, kind of like that description um, in, in Kron's description there too. So I love that. So I'm, yeah. I'm curious then, so if the woman... So I love, um, I have not actually read The the Road Back to You. Is that it, right? Yes. Um, so it's on my list. It's like in my Amazon cart right now. I need to buy it. It's on my list for like books I definitely need to read in 2020 because I've read up a lot on the Enneagram, but I haven't actually sat down and read a book. Um, but mm. other than reading the book, what is your favorite test to take if they just want to go online and take a test just to start? Yes. So the kind of like the gold standard, I'm doing air quotes, you can't see me, is the READY test. It's R-H-E-T-I, Riso Hudson. Um, They were kind of like these OG guys who 
like really, really, really made the Enneagram into something accessible to like the normal or the like regular population. Um, and they've created this test. It's $12. So it is a paid version. Um, I've taken a lot of tests. <laughs> and what I will say is you can't always hang your hat on the results that you get from a test. A lot of things are going to um, color the results. And I will say when you do take any test, what you want to do is answer the questions as you have been most of your life. Because again, we start to um, like say if I I took the test, I had a, a hard time just discovering who I was too because hashtag nine problems, which we'll, we'll kind of learn a little bit more as we go through about that too. Um, but I would take the test and I would get a six and a three and a, you know, really in those, those were, that was like my, the things that were coming up. And I was just like, I don't really feel like I look like that. Yes. But the motivation underneath it doesn't feel like me. And so take that with a grain of salt. Um, and really what I would do when you get the results from any test is take those top, usually they give you like a top three or like, you know, a percentage wise of where you fall, start reading about those numbers, start seeing what resonates with you. Because usually when you read about your number, a dead giveaway is if you feel super uncomfortable, if you feel almost like, ugh, like, I don't like that. Um, I don't like hearing about that. I don't like knowing that that's like me because you feel exposed almost um, when you truly discover who you are um, because it's that see it's the inner it's the inner motivation that's what they're trying to capture whereas we can take and answer the questions on tests based on our outer actions and there's a disconnect there because the Enneagram is really really trying to capture who you are on the inside not how you're behaving on the outside so like for example a nine goes to looks like a three when they are healthy and happy and a three looks a lot different than a nine they're very like go-getters they're achievement oriented they're very like we got this like movers and shakers whereas most of the time a nine is like they have a hard time with momentum and like getting started and sticking with stuff. Um, and so it looks very different. So you want to, you want to really answer the questions based on inner motivation, not how you are at this brief snapshot in time and how you've mostly been all of your life. So a word about the test ready is my favorite. I also love your Enneagram coach.com, which is the, um, the woman, her team is who I've, done my Enneagram coaching through, they have a really great free test, um, which is also really awesome. That was the one that we did with my steering team was the, yes. your Enneagram coach. And it, it seemed pretty accurate. I mean, we all just kind of did the the quick test. I had already done it multiple times. <laughs> but we, <laughs> they, we just kind of did the quick test and figured out what our types were. And then a couple of them later on, we chatted about, is this my type or is this my type? Um, but I mean, it's, it is something that it's not really something that you can't type someone else. I know that was something I was going to ask you right. to explain a little bit more, but it's, I know I've always heard, at least in my exploration of the Enneagram, that you're not supposed to type someone else it, because it is so deeply personal. It really mm -hmm. is about your inner motivation. Absolutely. And I would say also like, you know, a nine also will want to be typed by someone else because they don't know themselves. That's one of the things about a nine is they have a hard time knowing who they are. And so certain types will seek out that 
like validation from other people. Um, and so I would, yeah, I echo that. I would hundred percent encourage you to do the work because again, people will, will try and type you based on your outer behavior. Whereas it's really the inner motivation. That's what, that's what counts. And nobody can know that, but you truly. So could you kind of give like a super brief rundown of the different types for anyone who hear they're hearing these numbers, they're hearing the one, they're hearing the nine, they're hearing the five. Can you just give kind of a brief rundown of each one? I know that this could totally be the entire episode. <laughs> and if we mostly, yeah. if this is most of the episode, that's okay, because I think it can be really helpful for them just to hear kind of as a jumping off point, the different types. So could you just give a little rundown of them? Yes. And before I jump into the types, can I back up a little bit and give just a basic overview of like the structure real quick? Because I think that will help. Oh, totally. um, so like there are if you look at the the symbol for the Enneagram, it's a circle with nine numbers because all of the, the numbers, they're value neutral. Like being a nine is not better than being a three or a four is not better than a one. They're value neutral. They're just nine different valid life uh, valid perspectives for everyday life circumstances. And so the way that it becomes very nuanced is when we start to add things like wings. Um, so you're the wings. I'm a nine wing eight. This is in, just Enneagram jar, jargon. That's how you would describe yourself to someone if they asked. Um, I'm a nine wing eight. There's also a nine wing one and the wings are the numbers adjacent to your primary number. They can't, you can't be like a nine wing five because the numbers are not together on the circle. So you can only, if you're a nine, you can only have an eight wing or a one wing. If you're a one, you can only have a nine wing or a two wing. Um, and these are like salt and pepper. These, this is where a nuance comes, comes into because a nine wing eight is going to look a lot different than a nine wing one. Um, and so you know, it's like a plate of eggs. If you, if every number is just a plain old plate of eggs, the wings are the salt and the pepper. And some people are going to use more pepper and some people are going to use more salt and it's going to look totally different. It's going to taste different. And it's going to, you know, just, you know, be totally different. That's where nuances can come in. Um, and wing dominance can really exist on a spectrum. So you can have a strong eight wing or you can have just a little bit of eight mixed in there, or you can really have really not a, a strong wing in either direction where you're just like, I'm solidly in the nine camp and this is where I live. Um, but the wings is, are the, the numbers you have access to, to help expand your, yourself. Um, if that makes sense. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And I actually didn't realize that about the wings. Like I, I know about wings and I'm still actually trying to figure out cause I go back and forth as to which one I could be. I'm pretty sure I'm a one wing two. Um, I don't think I'm a one wing nine, but I didn't realize that you, like, <laughs> I have to do more research, but I, I didn't realize that what you could be like stronger in one wing than the other. Cause I honestly think that I stay pretty firm in the one camp. Maybe mm -hmm. that's why it's so hard for me to figure out what my wing is. Cause I don't think I'm strongly in either direction. So that was, that was really helpful for me <laughs> to hear yeah, that. Yeah. When you, they also have their own archetypes. So it's sometimes it's just helpful to read through like a one wing two is described a certain way. Um, and so sometimes you can be like, oh yeah, like I do do that. Like I, I, it's not always, but it's just like sometimes those wings can come out in certain social situations or relational situations, if that makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. That's helpful. 
Okay. And then the other thing that makes the Enneagram very nuanced is the arrows and the lines that you'll see on the Enneagram. And these are basically stemming from your, your number. So like a nine will have two arrows, one going to six and one going to three. And that's basically showing you where, what you are going to look like when you're stressed and how you are going to behave when you are in a place of health or growth. Um, and that can fluctuate day by day, minute by minute, hour by hour, back and forth, all over the place. You can spend a good camp of your life in a healthy place and then have a bad day and start to, d- to display those characteristics. But basically it's telling you, like, for example, I use the nine just because it's easy for me. But as a nine, when I am healthy, I'm going to take on the best qualities of a three. So I'm going to look like a really, really healthy three. Um, and when I am in a time of stress, I'm going to take on the worst qualities of a type six. Okay. So that's what it tells you. And those don't change either. Those are, that's your default. Okay. Um, like I said, constantly fluctuating and th- that can cause you to mistype because these are going to be outward behaviors and not your inner motivation. Does that also make sense? Yeah, that does make okay. sense. I'm curious. This is a total personal question, but I guess I can ask because it's my podcast. <laughs> yeah, go for it. What is the, what does a one go to in strength? Because I don't think I've I don't think I've learned that. If you so remember off the top one, of your head. Yeah, a one in strength um is going to go to I have it actually right in front of me, is gonna go to the healthy side of a type seven. You're gonna become less critical, you're gonna become a lot more self-accepting, you're be more enthusiastic, optimistic, more able to like roll with the punches, more spontaneous. You're gonna be fun. So when you're healthy, you have these like sense of guidelines and structure and boundaries and right and wrong but you're going to be able to relax a little bit and loosen up that grip on like this is the way we do things and you're going to be really fun to be around oh that makes so much sense mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> it does and I, stress, yeah, yeah well, i can be very rigid <laughs> when yeah, once i'm can stressed be very rigid um, and very and, and it's it's more just because they feel like there's a right way and a wrong way to do things um But when we start, like, again, when we learn that there is gray area, especially for a one, and that it's beautiful to live there, it just becomes a much more rich life for you. Mm, Yeah. And as when you're unhealthy, you go to four. um, And you can be a little bit like uh, melancholy. You can feel kind of indignant that, like, people are not meeting the expectations that you have for, for them. Um, and that you feel like they should have for themselves. And you can kind of turn that anger a little bit inward. And you can oftentimes go toward what we call melancholy or like we say depression, but it's not necessarily clinical depression. It's just more like, ugh, like what the heck, you know, like a very like frustrated um, sadness, if that makes sense. Yeah, it totally does. And the reason why I asked is because I was going back and forth between being if whether I was a one or whether I was a three. And that's when it really came down to those, like, what is my real motivation? And, you know, for for me, it's that kind of justice piece. It's that, you know, wanting to the world to be right rather than like, I don't I don't necessarily care what other people think. It's more I tend to be self-critical rather than, you know, wanting everyone to see me in a certain way and I know that I'm not probably not typing the three correctly but that was oh, kind no, of what it, what it came down to with 
Yeah, they're very much concerned with their outer image. And none of what, like, I also want to say before we dive into the numbers, none of this is a judgment on Mm. behavior. It is really meant to be a neutral observation of both good and bad. I say good, I have air quotes, and positive and negative behaviors that each number portrays. So I like that's the thing. Sometimes people get defensive. Well, well, that's not fair. Like they shouldn't say something like that about me. Like, so I I don't care about what people look think of me. And I think that's also a sign. Like if you get very defensive about hearing about those potentially negative behaviors that you might display, that might be your number, right? So because we all want to be like, but 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 here's why. Um, and I would encourage anyone that's getting into the enneagram to go into it with a very open and honest heart be ready to receive those both the positive and negative of your number because that's the only way you can grow that's literally the only way you can grow is if you are open to change and honest feedback does that make sense oh it totally does yeah thank you for mentioning that too because i do see it as a very positive thing a way to grow because i am so interested in personal growth and helping other people with personal growth which is why i do what i do and you know with with food and all that so i love helping people grow in their lives but it i can see how it can be seen in a negative light but it totally is and it really is just just a way to grow and so thank you for clearing all that up that i asked just because i was like okay is what we go in in strength or in weakness is that what we tend to mistype as but i think sometimes you can you can okay and you might you might see that those numbers showing up as your top percentages Mm. and really it's just then a matter matter of identifying your inner motivation um like for me my top numbers were always three six and nine and that makes sense because they're all tied together um and i just had to figure out within that triad where where did i really where's my home base um and then another thing that affects like how you like the the nuances of how you're showing up as your number is your level of health. Um, obviously, when you're healthy, you're living authentically. You don't need to use your personality defenses because personality is really what we the defense, the mass we put on to the world to protect ourselves. You're, but when you're in a healthy place, you're just being you. And you don't have to use those defenses to avoid the fears and the chase the desires that you have. You're really living and freely choosing these healthy thoughts and behaviors. Most people are in the average level of health. And we like to deter- to describe this as like you're just basically living on autopilot. Um, you don't really know why or how or when you're acting the way you do you do you're not necessarily interested in that. Um, you begin to you kind of live in a an, um, like doubt commonly um, and you are really employing your personality and your personality defenses to avoid like the things that you're most afraid of and each type has their core fears and desires um, and really this is not helpful it's not helpful to you and it's not helpful to anyone around you to be living in this autopilot world so that can kind of color where you are. And then, of course, an unhealthy level of health. Um, this can be varying levels. There's all the way from just like, hey, yeah, I'm not in a good place right now or like clinical, like mental illness, which obviously the Enneagram can be helpful. But at that point, you really need professional help. So I would say the Enneagram is not a substitute for therapy. It's just another tool in in your toolbox for self-awareness. But Um, People who are living in an area of unhealth are just kind of living 
like, like they're an orphan. Like they're alone. They can't rely on people. Like they have to rely only on themselves. They've forgotten that they are loved as who they really are. They're highly protective of themselves. Um, and the strategies that they're using to protect them are generally hurting both themselves and the people around them. So that's like levels of health. And then lastly, again, before we dive in, because I know we need to get to the numbers, um, there's triads. And each uh, three numbers are grouped together in a triad. There are the gut triad, which is eight, nine, and one. They're very instinctive. Their emotional struggle is with anger and they desire justice. So eights, nines, and ones. Um, there's the heart triad, which is um, two, three, and four. And they are really, they work a lot on feeling. Their emotional struggle is shame. Um, and they really desire significance in this world. Um, and then the head triad is five, six, and seven. And they um, really move through the the world with a lot of thought. They live in their heads. They're thinking a lot. Um, and their emotional struggle is t- tends to be anxiety. And their desire is for security in the world. So those are some some nuances. And if you're ready, we can dive into a little bit about each type. I am so ready. I'm like on the edge of my seat. This is so fun for me to learn about. I hope the listener is as excited to learn about this as I am. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I think, I mean, it's just crazy. The Enneagram has become this like pop culture thing, but it's because it's so interesting and everyone wants to know about themselves. So let's dive in. Um, I'll try and keep this as short as possible. And so it'll kind of be like just bullet points because I I have those kind of memorized in my head for each number. But if you have questions about any of the numbers and you want to expand on anything, just let me know. Okay. Um, So the one, the archetype for the one is the moral perfectionist. And depending on who you, you read or the, the, the uh, like experts, some of them have slightly different names, but I like to go with the moral perfectionist. Sometimes it's called the reformer. Um, and so we're going to talk about their core fears, their core desires, their self-image, like who they want to be seen or who they view themselves out in the world, um, their weakness and their longing for each for each number. And that will help you figure out who you are. But the moral perfectionist, their core fear is of being wrong, bad, evil, inappropriate, or corruptible. They really desire to have integrity, to be right, virtuous, and be, to be good. I'm using air quotes here. The The bad part about that, that's all great stuff. The bad part is that it can deteriorate into really critical perfectionism, critical of themselves and critical of others. So they have to be really careful of that. They're very principled, purposeful, self-controlled, and perfectionistic. And they want to be seen as accurate, thorough, diligent, responsible, moral, Correct. Fair. All of that. All of those things we think about, like the justice system. They're very justice oriented. Um, But their weakness can be resentment. And this is actually anger that's been repressed. So they're not like typically moving about in like a stormy, angry way. But they can repress that anger that they're feeling when people aren't meeting up to their expectations or they themselves until it becomes this like festering thing within them. Um, It can lead to really big frustration and dissatisfaction with themselves and others in the world. Um, And their core longing is really just to hear that they're good, that they're good. So does that, does that resonate with you at all? Oh, yeah, totally. (laughs) I'm definitely nodding along over here. Yeah, it took me a while to figure out that I was a one. But yeah, I kept going back to 
the having this real core desire my entire life, not necessarily to be right, but for there to be right in the world. And then that like perfectionism, that judgment on myself and wanting to be perfect and wanting to be seen as right and helpful. And yeah, so that all makes sense for me for sure. Those are amazing. There's an anecdote. Actually, I think they actually did a study of um, inmates in prisons and they typed them them all. They had them take the test and type them all. I think they literally said there are no ones in prison. Oh, wow. (laughs) Essentially. Um, or like very few because they have a very strong sense of right and wrong. And the other thing about a one is they have what's called an inner critic. And we all kind of have that, right? Like the voice in our head saying like, oh, you're not good enough. One, the ones, it's different. It's always there. It's it's loud, very, very loud. Um, and so like the thing about a one is like you don't have to tell them when they messed up. They already know and they're already beating themselves up about it way more than you could ever, ever, ever beat them up about it. So that's like a a big thing about a one is that inner critic. Um, Like we talked about before, they move to a seven in health and they move to a four under stress. Um, And their growth path is really to to realize that, that we're all doing our best. And that's all that's required. And if you can relax into that and enjoy life more, you're going to be a much more rich version of yourself. Mm, I like that. Good stuff, right? Ones are awesome. They're all awesome. I love them all. I love all (laughs) the numbers, which is so much fun when you start to learn about the Enneagram. You realize that everyone has something so unique and special to offer to the world. Um, Okay. Do you want me to just keep rolling? Yeah. Keep on going. Okay. (laughs) Type two is what we call the supportive advisor. Sometimes they're called the helper. Um, Type twos are very generous. They're they're most the most physically demonstrative of of the numbers. Meaning like they're huggers. They're like walking to room and they're like, oh my gosh, I love you so much. Here, come here. Like let me hug you. Let me hold you. Let me touch you. And it's a very like it's the physical way that they demonstrate that their affection for you. Um, they can be people pleasing and they can be a little bit possessive too because they're very very relational people. Um, their core fear is being worthless being needy, inconsequential, dispensable, or unworthy of being loved. Their core desire is to be loved and wanted. And this can actually deteriorate again because everything, even good things can can go bad when there's too much of it, right? Um, they can really deteriorate into this need to be needed by other people. They're the ones who are like, you know, you haven't even asked them to help you move. And they're like, when can I show up? I'll help you. Almost to the detriment sometimes of their own physical health and mental health they they have a lot on their plate usually and it usually has to do with helping other people um so that is a two their image they want to be seen as helpful caring warm nurturing altruistic and considerate um their weakness is pride um this is their really their inability or to acknowledge their own needs and their own suffering when you ask a two like how are you doing They'll, they'll be usually be the first ones to be like, I'm good. How are you? They like to kind of re- redirect the attention back on others. And while that's a really noble, caring quality, um, they can really start to suffer. Um, and they can kind of insert themselves when help is not necessarily asked for 
or needed, um, they can kind of insert themselves because it's very important to them to be needed. Um, their core longing is that they, they want to just be loved for who they are and not what they do for other people. Um, so that's kind of a two in a nutshell. They're wonderful, warm, kind, caring people. Um, they just, you know, we all have positive and negative parts to our being. When they're healthy, they're going to take on really positive aspects of a type four. And when they're unhealthy, they're going to take on the the negative qualities of a type eight. They can become kind of aggressive and dominating, um, you know, a little bit demanding. It's so, so funny. Pa- oh, sorry. I mean to interrupt you there. <laughs> no, I was going to say their path to growth is to really learn to take care of their own needs. That saying you can't pour from an empty cup. That's that's like a two's mantra right there. They need to learn to ask for what they need and care for themselves first. It's so funny. I should have just let you talk because I was going to say um, I have a good friend who's a two and you're not supposed to type people, I know, but <laughs> we were talking about the Enneagram and I don't remember how we got into the conversation. She had never heard of it and I told her to go home and take the test and I had an inkling that she was a two. <laughs> And she is. And she said it like it was it was very easy, like it was very high, you know, and they have their percentages like it was basically she's full on too. And one of the things that I had said to her that I had remembered about a week prior was that she is such a helper. She's such a wonderful human. She's such an incredible friend. She's, um, you know, incredible to her family. And she was stressed out about, you know, all of these things that she was doing for other people. And I was like, you don't have to be everything for everyone. You really, you really don't. It's okay. You need to take care of you. And we had this whole conversation. And then it was like the week later, she's like, yeah, I'm a two. And I'm like, that makes so much <laughs> sense. So it's really helpful in knowing that like, that's, that's the way that I can encourage her yeah. is to, con- is to continue to just encourage her as, you know, as her friend that it's okay mm-hmm. to take care of yourself. It's okay to be a helper, but not, you know, have that be everything. You still need to take care of yourself so you can help yeah. other people. So yeah. And with two you really have to dig a little bit like don't stop when when you ask her how she's doing and she's like oh I'm fine how are you be like no really like what's going on because you may have to push them a little bit nines and twos can mistype frequently um as each other so like sometimes a a true nine will take a test and and it'll say that they're a two and the difference is if you're having trouble just distinguishing twos like really want to help. They really have to. They want to. Um, it's part of their like DNA, essentially. Nines will help when asked um, to keep the peace. And it's it's a little, it's nuanced, but it's like, I don't really want to go out of my way to like spend my Saturday to move a friend. Sorry, like no offense. I will do it when I love someone and when I'm asked um, and to like make sure that like our relationship is good and I, I'm helping someone, but it's not like, I'm not going to go out of my way to do that. And so that's a kind of a little bit of a nuance between a nine and a two. They can look like each other a lot. So you kind of have to dig into the motivation. Mm. Um, okay. Moving along because I know we don't have a ton of time and I want to get through everybody. <laughs> um, the type three is the successful achiever. Um, type threes are very adaptable. They excel in a lot of things, especially like their, their professional lives. They're very driven and they're very image conscious. Um, they are usually movers and shakers within an organization. Um, very like goal oriented people. Their fear is a failing, being incompetent, inefficient, exposed, worthless, or appearing unsuccessful. 
Um, they desire to be valuable, admired, and respected, which is which are totally fine things. But that can deteriorate to really just chasing after success. For a lot of times for a three, it's like, okay, I'm going after this big goal. I achieved it. Yay. What's next? What's next? What's next? Um, they have a really hard time sometimes relaxing and stepping back from from the work. Um, they want to be perceived as successful, efficient, competent, focused, and productive. Their weakness is deceit. And it's not necessarily like they're deceiving other people. It's really like they're deceiving themselves into believing that they are only the image that they present to others through their success and achievements, that that's all that matters. And they have sometimes a hard time really tapping into their um, inner emotions about something. Um, so that's where the deceit comes in. Their core longing is to hear that they're loved and valued just for being themselves, not for what they're achieving. So that's kind of a three in a nutshell. Um, they move to the healthy, healthy side of a type six um, when they're healthy and the unhealthy side of a type nine when they're not healthy. Um, and really, they can achieve growth when they become more genuine and authentic and less concerned with just how they are perceived. So that's that's kind of their path to growth. Any questions about the three? No, I always go back and forth. I'm like, well, maybe I am a three. Because some of that does describe me too. Um, but Reason I think, one's commonly mistyped. Yeah. Commonly. I have to still do more research, but... Yeah. <laughs> I would definitely do a little bit of digging there. Uh, and the wings will help you figure that out. And where you go to in stress and health will also help you nail that down. Um, the four is the romantic individualist. Um, fours are so fun. Fours are like, uh, I describe it as like if someone walks into a Whole Foods and they're like, you look at the Whole Foods and you're like, oh my God, the lighting is perfect in here. These apples look amazing everything's arranged beautifully a four probably designed that space they're very very concerned with the aesthetic and the feeling that it evokes a lot of times they're artists um, musicians they're into very spiritual things sometimes like yoga and you know reiki and things of that nature i mean not all fours but like they may have a tendency to be pulled towards those types of like professions they're very expressive they can be dramatic they can be self-absorbed and a little bit temper temperamental fours are okay with feelings they're very much okay with feelings um their fear is being inadequate emotionally cut off plain mundane defective flawed or being without significance a lot of times um fours are described they feel like they're missing something that everyone else has and so they really try and be unique in the world their desire again is to be unique um special and they really really value authenticity and this can deteriorate into a little bit of self-indulgent nature um they want to be seen as deep and intellectual emotional accomplished tasteful um and they really long for beauty and that that aesthetic um fours will hear a song and they'll be like oh my god this reminds me of my boyfriend i had back in high school they have like a playlist for their moods um, I mean, all the numbers can do that, but fours will tend to, to kind of gravitate to, towards things that evoke emotion like that. Um, their weakness is envy. And that really goes back to feeling like they're missing something that everyone else has fundamentally within themselves. Um, and they really long for what is missing. And in that, they can really miss the many valuable things that they bring to the world that only they can bring. Um, their core longing is to be seen that they're loved to be seen and loved for who they are, special and very, very unique. 
Um, so that's a four. I know many fours in my life and they're, my husband is a five wing four. So he's, it's interesting because fives can be more like scientific and more knowledge driven. And he has this like strong four wing that is very artistic. So it's, it's really fun once you start learning about the wings, um, in health, they go, they look like a one, um, and under stress, they're going to take on the average to unhealthy, um, characteristics of a two. And really where a four can grow is that they realize that they are not flawed and they can understand and truly know that they were created perfectly unique with beautiful qualities that need to be shared with the world. That's where a four can really step into this rich, abundant life. Any questions about the four? I'm just thinking about some people in my life that I feel like are fours, but I'm not sure if they are or not. <laughs> it sounds yeah. like such such a lovely, lovely person and personality. So and I love it. It's so funny because fours, they're usually like, oh, like I'm a four. A lot of people get like sad when they feel fine laugh they're a four. And that's actually a very, I wouldn't say typical four reaction, but it's more like, oh, I'm a four. Like, and they're so wonderful. They're beautiful, wonderful people. Um, I just adore all the fours in my life. Um, but yeah, fours might tend to be like, oh, I'm a four when they figure it out, <laughs> which is so funny to me. Um, the five is the investigative thinker. This is what my husband is. A lot of I've I've heard feedback that a lot of males tend to fall into the five category. I actually do know a lot of female fives on on our my beauty counter team, for instance. Um, they're very knowledge driven. They're perceptive innovative they can be secretive and become isolated and we'll find out why here in a minute um their fear is annihilation and annihilation in a sense that like they fear that their energy and like capacity for other people will be drained to the point where they will never recover they're very much concerned with how much energy do i have to people in this world, in a world where it feels like extrovertedness and connection is so valued, fives can feel a little bit out of place because that is not their default mode. They are very protective over their time and their resources and mostly the biggest resources, their their energy. Um, they fear being ignorant, invaded, incapable, um, or having obligations placed on them. They don't want to commit to your social calendar they're the ones who will be like sorry I'm not going <laughs> when you invite them to do something I still want to be invited and actually they probably don't want to be invited <laughs> and it's not because they don't love you fours or fives are very they get typed as like being like unemotional and not caring they care that's just not how they're going to show you they care by spending time with you in a social setting um their desire is to be capable and competent which can oftentimes deteriorate into useless specialization or like chasing information that they don't tend to put into practice. Like my husband, he knows everything there is to know about anything that you can ever ask, like literally anything, screenwriting, computer design. He's obsessed with learning. Um, and so sometimes fives can have trouble actually putting that that knowledge into practice. Um, their self-image, they want to be seen as intelligent, private, introspective, curious, quiet, knowledgeable, and their weakness is avarice, which is kind of like greed. Um, but what that really means is they feel that they lack the inner resources 
that they need to move throughout the world and that too much interaction with others will lead to this like catastrophic depletion of themselves. Um, and this causes them to withhold themselves from contact with others. Um, and they really, really will hold on to their resources, minimize their own needs in order to protect this energy. And their core longing is to, to, to know that they are, their needs are not a problem. So like an anecdote about a five is that like, if we all start off the, the beginning of our day with a hundred percent battery, um, in terms of like our energy fives wake up and they're already at like 5%. So <laughs> keep that in mind. Like they're really the only number that like starts off with very limited capacity to what I call people. Um, when they're healthy, they're going to move to look like an eight. And when they're under stress, they're going to look like a seven and their path to growth really comes along when they develop the confidence to get out of their own mind um, and start to like put their plans into action and they can connect with their bodies and their feelings because that's not a default mode for them. Um, any questions about a five? I know we're kind of pushing time here. I'll let you keep going on. Okay. <laughs> the six is the loyal guardian. Um, there's an anecdote too that there are more sixes than any other number in the Enneagram oh, here in the United interesting. States. Um, but it's an anecdote. There's not like true science behind that. But with the six is um, they're very engaging, very responsible. They can become anxious and a little bit suspicious, especially of authority that they do not believe in. Um, their core fear is fear itself. Um, they fear also being alone without support or guidance. They feel fear being blamed or targeted or physically abandoned. Um, they really desire to have security, guidance, and support, which are great, but that can deteriorate into an attachment to beliefs. So they are they can tend to really lodge on to latch on to groupthink more so than others. Whereas like um, a, another number might be like, yeah, I'm a I can't even think of anything around this. I don't want to bring politics into it, but like I'm a Democrat or whatever. Um, but will allow themselves to question that and change and grow. Um, sixes might be more likely to be like, I'm a Democrat. This is who I am. This is part of my identity. It's huge. You know, that's just an example. Um, and they can have a hard time letting go of that, even if they feel like their identity has changed um, because they don't want to be abandoned. This is a huge part of their like they're they're who they are. Um, and their self-image, so they want to be prepared, dedicated, dutiful, hardworking, loyal, um, submissive to authority. And this is a parentheses in authority that they trust. If they do not trust the authority, they can be very, very combative um, to that authority. So there's a, like a little nuance there. Um, they're really funny like super funny like they're the ones who usually have one-liners like sarcastic humor um and they can be rebel like i said rebellious to authority that they don't trust their weakness is anxiety so they're constantly scanning and preparing for like what could happen a lot of times people categorize them as like worst case scenario thinkers and this is very valuable because we need people like this in the world to be like well what if this happens i got a plan for it um but it can can really spiral down into like that anxiety essentially. Cause you can go down that hole so far. Like what if this happens and this happens and then it can paralyze you to like never leave your house or never to take action or never to do something that you want to do because you've already planned out all the terrible things that could go wrong. And in your mind, you've decided it's not worth it. <laughs> so that's what they struggle with. Um, and their longing is just to hear that they're safe 
Um, they move towards a type nine when they're healthy and when they're stressed, they look like a three. Um, they're a part of that triad that I'm, I'm in. Um, and their path to growth really comes when they can see all of the good decisions that they do make. They're going to gr- gain greater confidence in themselves and trust in their abilities to make good decisions and to not have to weigh every single thing and to go off their gut a little bit more. Does that make sense? Mm, it does. I have a really good friend who is also a six and I'm nodding my head along and I have, <laughs> I'm going to share some stuff with her tonight when I go up. I'm going to see her tonight. <laughs> good. Sixes are awesome. Like I said, they're all awesome. Um, that brings us to the seven. Seven is the entertaining optimist and sevens more pro- probably more than any number in the Enneagram. When they find out that they're a seven, they're going to be like, yes, this is awesome. I love being a seven. <laughs> They're really, really, they don't see anything wrong, even with some of the like negative qualities that they have usually. Um, And sevens, that's just a seventh thing. That's a seventh thing to do. And you'll see why. So their core, they're very spontaneous, versatile, acquisitive. They can also sometimes be scattered um, and be that person who's like jumping from thing to thing, task to task, place to place. Um, And they're really just seeking joy and positivity at all costs. That's their like MO. So their fear is of being deprived, trapped in emotional pain, limited, bored, or missing out on something exciting. They're the one where if you ask them, hey, can you come to this thing that I have planned in two weeks? They're going to be like, I don't know, get back with me the day before because really they want to like weigh all their options and figure out what's (laughs) going to be the most fun for them. (laughs) And they don't want to be tied down to any commitment. So their desire is to be happy, satisfied, and content, which can deteriorate into that frenetic, what we call frenetic escapism. So they'll chase after something. If it becomes hard or tough or challenging, they'll probably be the first one to be like, yeah, this isn't fun anymore. I'm going to do something else. Um, So their self-image is they want to be seen as creative, fun, a visionary, imaginative, stylish, playful, and inspirational. Their weakness is what we call gluttony. So it's like this insatiable desire to fill themselves up with experiences and places and things sometimes. Uh, And that's to be stimulated. They want to avoid emotional pain. So if they're chasing after all these good things, they won't have to deal with the the natural pain and toughness that comes with life. Um, And so the bad thing is that they will find that they'll never be fully satisfied with those things and the things that they're chasing until they start to deal with that pain. So their longing is to be taken care of and they move to a type five when they're healthy and a type one when they're unhealthy. And really they're going to learn to grow when they really embrace the ability to be still inside themselves to know that what they're looking for is actually already inside them and they already have so many blessings in this world this is going to really produce a deep sense of gratitude and inner rest within a seven um so that's that's a seven the eight we got two more left we're we're trucking through (laughs) is the protective challenger i love eights as a nine, I'm just drawn to them because I admire them so much. Um, they're like the polar opposite of who I am for the most part. But eights are the protective challenger. They can really be seen as self-confident. They're very decisive. They're willful and they're confrontational. <laughs> we all know eights are not going to mistype usually. The eights and a three might mistype. But for the most part, an eight, when they take the test, they're going to be like, yes, I'm an eight. I'm an eight. That's it. Um, there's really not a whole lot of like nuance there. I mean, and there is, there's nuance in everyone, but their fear is being weak, powerless, harmed, controlled by others, manipulated, 
or at the mercy of injustice. They're very concerned with social justice, usually. Their core desire is to protect themselves. Um, so, like, they do not want to be hurt, ambushed. They don't want you to, like, surprise them with something that's that they view as, like, negative. Um, so that can deteriorate into constant fighting and conflicts because they are going to call you out before you call them out. They're going to suss out. They're going to be the one to initiate so they have control over the situation um, versus like being blindsided by you initiating some sort of conflict or like, you know, does that make sense? Mm, it does. Yeah. Okay. So they really want to see, be seen as outspoken, direct, opinionated, bold, decisive, tough, um, but also compassionate. They're very compassionate people. They love um, like if they see some, the, like the weak being preyed upon or they feel like something's not fair, they're going to be the first people to like step in and be like, this is not right. And I'm going to care for these people. They're very compassionate. Um, their, their weakness is lust or excess. They have a constant need for intensity, control and self-extension, meaning like they're going to pro- project themselves onto like their will onto you. Um, and they want to assert themselves very willfully. And their longing is to know that they will not be betrayed. Betrayal is like the the thing you do not do to an eight. If you do, if you betray an eight, good luck trying to get back into their good graces because you're pretty much dead to them. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, but once you're in their inner circle, like they are probably some of the most loving, kind, wonderful humans um, on the planet. Mm. They're gonna and again, when they're healthy, they look like a two. Which is like, you you wouldn't think that, but like, that's what they're taking on those really positive qualities of a two. When they're unhealthy, they're going to look like a five. And their path to growth is to recognize that any real strength in this world is going to entail vulnerability and openness with others. They're probably the least likely to be vulnerable or open with the people even that they truly love. So a lot of Brene Brown's work is going to be good for an eight, um, to hear and to work on. Okay, last one. Type nine, peaceful mediator. This is me, and they're always last. <laughs> but here we go. The peaceful mediator, and this is nines are receptive, reassuring, agreeable, and oftentimes complacent. Their core fear is being in conflict, loveless, shut out, discordant, overlooked, or inharmonious. Their core desire is to have inner stability and peace of mind. Which is great. Like, that's wonderful. But this can really deteriorate into neglectful stubbornness, meaning like we can become so shut off to what we need and what we want and who we are because we're constantly trying to, like, go along to get along, essentially, that we just become, we merge. We, we kind of don't know who we are and we don't act on, on what we truly want to do in our passions. We're asleep to ourselves, essentially. Um, the self-image, we want to be seen as good listeners, kind, agreeable, quiet, patient, calm, steady, enduring people. We want to be seen as that. Um, but, you know, obviously that can come at a cost. Our weakness is sloth. And it's not sloth in the way you think, like, physically slothful. Like, we're not just, yes, we do like to sit on the couch like the next person. But, like, it's more the desire to just be generally unaffected by life. I don't want to be affected by your emotions, this conflict, this decision. I really don't want any of that. And that is when it can really be move into this unwillingness to be fully awake to ourselves. um, And resist. we resist showing up as our authentic selves because we don't want to engage in conflict of any sort and we don't want ourselves to be perceived as 
anything that would be like negative or conflicting to someone else. Um, our core longing is to hear that our presence matters. And in health, we, mo- we look like a three. And in stress, we look like a six. And the growth path for a nine is to realize and know that your presence matters and that what you have to offer as yourself is valuable and that not all conflict is negative. Conflict is necessary. Asserting yourself is necessary. So that is all the nine types. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So amazing. It was such, I think we did it. (laughs) Right. We did it. You did it. (laughs) I think it's, it was a really, really great overview of all of the types. And I really loved the points that you gave with their kind of strengths and their weaknesses and where they go to in health and unhealth. And I think that's going to be so, so helpful as like a jumping off point for any of the women who are listening, I think even just hearing those little points can be so helpful in, in learning about ourselves and maybe the people around us too. Because like I said a couple of times, I was like nodding along with some friends that I have. And I really do think that it can help us in not just with our relationship to ourselves and in our own lives, but in our relationships with, with other people too. Mm-hmm. So I have one last little question because I know we only have a couple minutes left. I know you have to go and I have to run off and get my daughter. But as moms, I'm wondering, first of all, can we type our kids? And if so, when? And second of all, how do you think the Enneagram can help us as moms? Oh, my gosh. This is a great question to end on. Um, So you are not supposed to type children. And really, when you can start digging into that is usually around like teens, I would say like 16, 17, maybe a little little bit earlier. Um, And the reason behind that is up until like preteen, like 12, 13, 14, children really identify with their primary caregivers a lot. So our behaviors, our the way we influence our children as we do, because we want them to do what we want them to do. I mean, that's not a judgment. It's just like, of course, we want them to do what we want them to do. Um, a lot of times their behavior, their personality will bend to our expectations of them until they start to. And this is like, you know, this is like a, uh, this is like science, right? They start to unmerge from us, which is around that like 12, 13, when people start, when your kids start to become different people from what I hear and you're like, oh my God, who are you? Mm -hmm. That's because they're trying to figure out who they are, right? Apart from who we are. Um, And they start to care more about what their peers think than what we think, which is so sad. I'm not looking forward to it at all. Um, But it's just the natural way of the world and it's healthy for them. Um, And so I would say you can't really start typing. Well, A, you don't want to type them. You would encourage them to like take the test and learn more about themselves. Um, But you really wouldn't want them to do it until up to that point. Um, You know, but like on the flip side, like I have inklings about my kids because, you know, babies are kind of, we're born with our type. That's another question I I oftentimes get. Um, We're born with our type. Um, It doesn't really change. Um, And we can use like twin examples all day long because like two twins can be completely different and they experience the same life experiences that you would think would shape them in the same way, but they don't because they're viewing them with different lenses. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So like I would say don't type your kids. You can have an inkling in the back of your mind um, up until like they're old enough to actually 
take the test and answer the questions correctly. Um, but I think what the, the true where it can help you with your parenting is knowing yourself and how you relate to your children and why, for instance, do you want to control them? Why is conflict perceived as so hard for you? Why do some people, are they able to just really feel like they're nailing motherhood and like, you know, it's calm and on the outside, at least it looks like it, it's calm and, you know, normal and natural. Whereas some people might feel like this is so hard for me. Um, and it's all hard in different ways. But I think that's where the Enneagram, because it's a tool for compassion. It is, it awakens our compassion for people for who they are, not who we wish they would be, and who we are, and not who we wish we would be. Um, because who we are is great, just the way we are. And it can show you that pathway to growth. And it can show you your triggers and like red flags, like, oh, I'm going, I'm, I'm, I'm displaying a, a potentially ne negative behavior that I know is a red flag for me that I need to like regroup in terms of when you're parenting. So I think that's where it can become really, really helpful. Oh my gosh, I love that. And I think that really does kind of tie it all together in that it is such an incredible tool for growth as moms, as as women learning more about ourselves. And I mean, you know, even like you said in the beginning, tying it back to as we're growing in our in our health just in in every area too, learning about um learning about ourselves can be can be so so incredibly helpful so thank you so much for sharing all of this wisdom I know I learned a lot even though I'm a little nerdy about the Enneagram already <laughs> I, I definitely definitely learned a lot so thank you so much there's so much to learn I mean truly I will be forever learning about the Enneagram even as a coach I don't know everything there is to know um, but that's what makes it fun so I would just encourage you guys um, it's so impactful and so fun and can be such a rewarding thing to explore so get on with it go go download that book and get started yeah totally so last question then how can the women who are listening connect with you maybe sign up to coach with you can you just share that really quick yes so i just launched my coaching packages and those can be found on the website at jessgertner.com which is also brand new so excited so beautiful um thank you so much those are my all my husband he's he's amazing um we do individual co coaching sessions which is more about how to figure out who you are um, and then packages, which is more about figuring out like how to use that information um, to grow and relate in your personal and professional life. Um, and we do group coaching for like teams and things like that, too. And that can be virtual or in person. Um, so those are some options there. Um, I'm super excited to like get that going. And yeah, that's where you can find me. And you can find me. I don't know if you asked me this, but you can also connect with me. And I share a lot about Enneagram on Instagram at just.holdthespace, too and the modern mamas podcast it's not yes. entirely about the enneagram but it's an amazing podcast if they're oh this is their gosh. first episode they're listening to with you they need to go hop over there too because yes, it's one of my favorites do. always and forever <laughs> thank you it's my favorite too it's one of the things i most enjoy doing so please find find me over there well, thank you again, Jess, for being on. I really appreciate you taking the time right up until the very last minute. And I, I know we this did is it. <laughs> so, so beneficial. So thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. I am so happy to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. 
If you loved it, would you take a screenshot and share it with a friend over on Instagram and tag me in it? It helps me so much to know what you love and are taking away from each episode. If you really loved it, would you hop over to iTunes and give me a star rating and review? Every rating and review helps this podcast be seen and heard by more women who need to hear the message of balance and wellness without deprivation. It's the best free gift you could give me. And as a reminder, the information and opinions on this podcast are meant for education and inspiration only and are not to be taken as medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult with a trusted practitioner before making any changes. Have a beautiful day, friend, and I'll see you in the next episode.